Hey, Talking Church, I'm excited today to be joined by a really good friend of mine. We've worked together over the past couple of years uh, in a lot of different projects and a lot of different ways, and I'm excited for you to meet him. And so I want to introduce Stephen Brewster. Stephen is uh, really all things worship. He helps churches with worship. He helps churches with bands and albums and all sorts of things. He used to work at a church, has been in the music industry, and so there's a lot of things that he brings. He also just recently launched the MXU Worship Podcast, talking with songwriters. Really, I mean, some of the coolest people in music he sits down and talks with. So if you want to listen to that, uh, make sure to check that out. But Stephen, thank you so much for joining with us. I know we talked about this for a while. Glad we made it happen. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I love that we get to talk about this today. And I love what you guys are doing with the podcast to help resource and help churches. It's, it's so encouraging and so inspiring. So it's an honor to get to be part course. Now, we've had a lot of discussions about this topic, and so uh, you get a lot of calls about it. I've gotten calls about it since I kind of oversee the back-end business side of music publishing. And so what we're going to talk through today is maybe if you're a church out there and you want to start recording music for your church, or maybe some of your worship leaders have reached out to you, or maybe you are a worship leader and you want to bring it to your pastor or your executive pastor to say, here's what we could do. We just get questions all the time. How do you do royalties or what do you need to do to set it up? And so I'd love for us to maybe start with the basic, what are some things we can do? And then maybe we can get a little bit more into the weeds, answering some of the questions that we often get asked, but, but selfishly, Hopefully this can be a link we can send out to people rather than having to jump yes. on a bunch of different calls and say, we've we've said the same thing over and over. And not that we don't enjoy them, but we'd love to go beyond this and help people actually do it rather than just tell them the same thing. So hopefully this can be an evergreen piece that we share. And maybe even you're listening and me, either me or Steven sent this to you to listen to. So hopefully it's valuable. <laughs> That's pretty meta, right? That we yeah. sent them the link to the conversation we had before about what they want to know today. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I, I probably end up having this conversation a minimum of twice a week and, you know, every church has every church that has a desire to write original music has to know how to handle and steward those songs and steward them well. And so I'm, I'm loving today that we're going to give them, give the one-on-one version of what to do to steward those songs as well as possible. Yeah. So usually what happens is usually it's a worship pastor or a volunteer or somebody at their church that just starts writing a song and maybe they felt in in the shower in their prayer time or they just were inspired. Maybe we're at a conference and they just felt we could do this and they they write a chorus or they write a song and they're like, bring it to the pastor. Hey, could we sing this at church? That's typically what I hear is the first point from there. What? What do you do? Because, I mean, we people get down to like, hey, how much should I spend on an album? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, oh. you haven't even gotten <laughs> anywhere near. So what are some first steps that you'd say and maybe some recommendations for people who they, they maybe just were thinking about writing a song or they just wrote a song? Where do they yeah. start from rather than thinking full-length live record? Yeah, well, that, that, you're so right. And, and the, the funny thing about writing songs is writing songs is an exercise, right? It's a muscle. It's not magic. And so um, you're never, most people don't write their best songs the first time they write a song. And it's funny to me. I was with a team in, in Illinois a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about how every time the worship team comes out of the writing room, they're like, we got a banger. We wrote a banger yeah. today. And, and the truth is, maybe you did. You might have wrote a banger, but it's probably more like a clunker. 
And so the very first thing that I would tell you is if you're writing songs, start writing a lot of songs. And, and I think um, I have a friend who talks about songwriting. He's a, a, a very accomplished songwriter. And, and he talks about there's two types of people. There's people who write songs and then there's songwriters. Your calendar dictates if you're a songwriter or if you're someone who writes songs. If you write songs just when you're inspired, you're an amateur. And that's, that's great. It's a hobby. Keep doing that. It's very important. It's a good creative exercise. If you want to write songs that tell the story of your church, that tell the mission and the purpose of your church, you've got to systematize consistency and discipline around writing songs. And so I tell teams, you should write every week for at least three hours mm. at a minimum. If you're going to be a songwriter and you're going to be a church that produces music, then every week you're writing for three hours. And when you're in that songwriting room, you may get a verse, you may get a course, you may get a bridge. On that day, you may not get anything. You might just get three hours alone with the Lord on your face, like hearing what he's telling you next for your ministry. But you need to, to schedule a three-hour block at a minimum each week. Get alone with the Lord and, and, and start crafting songs. And then yeah. once you write every week for three hours, then once a month, you take some time and you workshop those four songwriting sessions that you did. And then after you have done that, then maybe like once a quarter or once uh, every every four months, five months, whatever, you're doing like a songwriting uh, camp with your team, where it's like a whole day at your campus and you're and you're writing songs. And then you know eventually you'll get to the place where you're actually going out and writing with other people in other cities, whether it's Nashville or other churches that you know, to and and your craft gets developed. So before you ever think about making a record. You got to have songs and it all starts with your committed process to writing songs. Yeah, that's so good. And already I'm sure there's people thinking, wow, that's a lot more work than I thought. And we haven't even got to producing <laughs> or releasing right. or anything. But I think it goes to show that whenever we're trying to create something of, of value, you have to put energy and effort into it. And, you know, you look at the, the top bands, your elevations, Hillsongs, Bethel, Maverick City. It's like, oh, I'm sure that they just write a song and it's a hit. It's like, no, they're writing hundreds of songs hundreds. and they're, they're getting feedback from all different people, but also they have a track record and longevity and they figured it out. Like, I mean, think about your first sermon. Maybe there's pastors out there listening and maybe they're not in the worship space. Maybe they're an executive pastor trying to learn about the publishing side, but your first sermon wasn't your best sermon. And it shouldn't be. I hope it's not. If it was, your trajectory is not going the right direction. Um, and so in the same way, it's it's spending this time and maybe, you know, yeah. people don't have the ability to do it on their work time because of what they have, but maybe it's time on your own and you're not going to be able to do new initiatives if you don't give it that extra bit. And so uh, I love that so much. And I would tell you, like, as a local church leader, there's a lot of reasons you should release, you should write music that have nothing to do with the music business, right? So first yes. off, it's a great creative exercise for your team. It helps your team process creativity in a new way. It maybe finds a new voice for ministry inside of your church. Um, the second thing is that it is a ministry, you know? Like we don't go to the to the kids ministry and ask what the ROI is on diapers and, go and goldfish. We know that that's a necessary function of doing ministry for children. And so writing songs and coming up with the sonic messages of your church, the, me the melodic messages of your church is a ministry piece. You know, it also helps your volunteers. All of a sudden your volunteers are now part of something bigger than themselves. So they're a little less likely to click no on planning center. If they think that maybe that's going to get used in a different way, you know, and then 
the, the gross part of it is, is at some point you do start to release music, maybe. And if you do, it's a really cool little marketing tool for your church in your community. I was talking to a, a, a friend of, actually, it's a friend of both of ours. They released, um, they released music through their church and they've been releasing music for eight years. And in the last nine months, 25% of their overall streams for the last eight years have happened in the last nine months. And some of it's mm-hmm. because they started to systematize, to systematize some of the things they were doing. But one of the things that they also found was that they're reaching 60,000 people inside of their community right now that don't, wow. that their church isn't, isn't, isn't reaching 60,000 people a weekend, but they're now reaching 60,000 people geographically in their community, unique listeners to their music that may or may not ever come into their church. Totally. Yeah. You mentioned the the music business side of things. And uh, I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that. And we always share, I, I know we've talked about this before, but every call that we do, it's please, please, please do not start publishing music thinking you're going to make money or doing it because no. you're going to make money. And you mentioned it with the ROI, but even like it's one of the few ministries that will produce income that is not donations for a church, right? Yep. The issue is we're talking pennies, fractions of pennies, and most people think millions of dollars and you know the, the CCM, contemporary Christian music space, they think you know the big artists they hear on the radio, they hear a church on the radio and they think that could easily be us. And I'm not, I mean, we've right. had a couple songs on the radio with it between worship and ages, which is awesome. But I mean, I, I look at like the amount of energy, resourcing, funds, all that we put behind it. And then to look at like, we've had two or three songs at radio. It's like, okay, so that's not what we're going for. And then, oh, well, look at, we have, you know, between our bands, like three, four, 500,000 people listening every month. We should be just raking it in, right? It's like, no, not at no. all. And so talk a little bit about maybe some of the misconceptions people have in the music business industry, uh, specifically in the Christian worship space. Yeah. So the Christian worship space is a very crowded space. You should be writing music because it's core to the DNA of your organization, your church. It's a creative outlet for your church. And really, what we don't need is another worship song. But what your community needs is the ministry song that you write because it connects to the to the ministry of your church. So I, I, I think about, I love this example from River Valley, right? Uh, the song Send Me. Like, there is not a more core, like, core song for our church at River Valley than Send Me. Like that song, I remember the first time I came and hung out with the team, we sat in a, in a leadership meeting or a, a staff meeting and your dad was talking about how committed he is to making sure that we send missionaries. These songs are like missionaries. And then the team went back and wrote Send Me and it ended up, it's, 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 it sounds like the soundtrack of what River Valley Church is, right? And so we should, your music should be the soundtrack to the ministry that you create. Interesting right. thing that I, I just learned a couple of weeks ago, there was a, uh, there's a, a new documentary out about people with Alzheimer's. People with Alzheimer's forget their friends, they forget their family, they, they really lose capacity to remember anything. However, they remember melodies and lyrics of songs that they heard years and years ago. I believe mm. that God designed music in a way to help people remember things. So if I asked you right now, Hey, what are the best two sermons you've ever heard in your life? A 
Okay, now tell me all of the pertinent points of those two messages. You probably couldn't do it. But if I told you to tell me your two favorite songs and the lyric that that meant the most to you in those two songs, you could tell you could tell me that. Sure. Yeah. Before we ever release music commercially, it needs to be ministry. It has to be the ministry of our church. Our our worship teams should be writing songs that that represent the ethos, calling, and purpose of what our church is. Um, every Friday, you can get on New Music Friday on Spotify and see ten churches that released their new worship song that when they walked out of that writing room, it was a banger. And the truth is eight of those 10 songs are their favorite worship teams, the light version of their favorite worship team, probably. And then two of them are probably either good or have the potential to be good. So if, if you're not writing music to reach the church that you serve, to give, give a resource to the people that you lead every weekend that should be the number one reason why we're doing it. Then the number two reason that we do it is because we know that like um, maybe there's other churches in the world that will connect to that same message. And, you know, River Valley, we've seen that. Hope has a name. Like yeah. that song resonated beyond just our the walls of our church. But if the song never resonates beyond the walls of our church, that's okay. It's not a failure. It's actually a success because we wrote for our community. Now, when, when we sit down with teams and talk about the finances of, of releasing music, I tell executive pastors, plan on five to seven years of no recoupment. Like we will not be making any money for five to seven years. And that's if we're consistent and we're diligent and we do really, really well. Now, there's always the moment where God breathes on a song and maybe your team will write oceans and it will blow up and, we'll, and you will make money. But if it does, you're one of... 10,000 probably. Yeah. And so the, the goal, the goal of, of writing worship songs is to articulate the ministry of your church, not to make, make profit. And then hopefully other churches connect to it and, and, and can use it in their services. And then eventually it does start to grow and make profit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's something even for us. And, and we, we try to be as transparent as we can of like, we're, we're not in this. That's not the business. We, we definitely generate income from our songs, but we, based on how much we spend versus how much we generate, it's not moving the needle for our church. It's not a, a big strategic financial fueler for what we're doing. It actually no. costs us money to, to do it, yes. but we think it's a benefit to the world. And again, the, the half a million people that listen every month, we want to minister to them and across the country. And, you know, it's crazy to see like, oh, you have 40,000 listeners in Brazil. And it's like, whoa, what right. is going on? And even we've talked about this, Stephen, our missionary heart and it, it goes to music. Music can go places that even our missionaries can't go. And so in a lot of ways, we want to write these songs so that people can hear them all over the world and right. it can be a ministry in that way. And and I'd love for us to transition to – go ahead. I was just going to say, the other the, the fun part is, is we all live – if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely either a very high-capacity volunteer or you're on a staff team. And the truth is we all listen to worship music all the time. So we know who wrote Graves into Gardens. But the person who's just attending your church, they think your team wrote Graves into Gardens. And so yeah. on on that Tuesday afternoon that that guy gets off his job at Lowe's and he's getting in his truck and his whole world's falling apart, you releasing music may be the one way that he goes and connects with God that day because he looks on Spotify for your church's name and listens to the songs that you recorded. And it probably won't be Graves into Gardens, but it might just be that ministry moment that he needed. Yeah, it was funny. I was in church this weekend. It was sitting next to uh, a teenager and 
his dad asked, he goes, hey, is, is this song you wrote? And the teenager said, yeah, we did. And it was an Elevation Rhythm song. And like, it for sure it wasn't. <laughs> but he's like, no, we wrote this. And I was like, I said, I, I like, I said, maybe it is, but I, I just, I do all the publishing and I feel like I should know if that's a song we wrote. And he looked up, he's like, oh no, it's it's not. But we sing it so much, I thought it was. So literally this weekend, case in point, uh, the the music you sing is impacting people. And you know, right. if you did write it or you didn't write it, your church is like, we're pumped. And I think that even goes into, and I know that's not kind of the point of this podcast, goes into song selection, goes into who, yeah. who's speaking into that, who's are we doing new songs? Are we doing old songs? We should be doing a mix. We should be asking our lead pastor and saying, hey, can you speak into this? What do you like about it? Uh, what what songs haven't been resonating? And so those are all things that if you do that well, you're definitely going to have more freedom and flexibility to, to write and to do more because you have that trust built up. Yep, for sure. For sure. And I, I, I always say, if you want to know if you really did write a banger or not, pick the two songs that your church resonates the best and then put your original song in between the two. And if the whole room doesn't drop off, then you know you wrote a good song, right? Yeah. And, and and the other part is too, just because you've sang a song live does not mean you've cemented that song in history. If You might sing the song live and be like, man, everything worked but the bridge. Let's go back and change the bridge. Nobody notices. Like, I know yeah. that's gonna probably break songwriters' hearts, but you can change the bridge five times and nobody's gonna notice until they have the ability to listen to it on their own time over and over and over again. Yeah, I remember even week of live recording, uh, our, our producer and our team were working and they changed a couple things like, and they actually changed uh, the timing of one of the, the choruses and they literally had to reteach it to our church because our church already knew it. But they're like, hey, the way we right. want the world to receive this, we're gonna have to reteach it. And I remember it was like, I think it was Common Ground and and they're like reteaching it and we all were about to come in and he's like, wait, wait. So I, I love that <laughs> advice. Um, yep. For the executive pastors who are like, all right, I need you to talk about publishing. I need you to talk yes. about how I need to set this up because uh, that's probably the question we get the most. Uh, but we, we really want to answer that first part to say, please do not get into it because of this. But also right. set it up in a way that is legal, that is accurate, that is fair. And so we can maybe talk about some of the things that we've discussed, our best practices. There are a lot of ways you can go about that. Um, yep. But really just from a high level standpoint, and then maybe if people want to go further, they could reach out to you um, sure. and talk about what that looks like if their church is ready to go that direction. Um, but talk about if you, let's say you're, you're, the, the criteria is met. You have songwriters that are writing a lot of songs. You're singing them in church. They're resonating. You feel like they do stack up against those other songs from other artists that are doing well. And now you're saying, we want to produce something and we you know go to the executive pastor or go to the lead pastor or maybe you're over the budget how much should we spend and what things do we need to be aware of can you talk about some of those uh yeah. guidelines i know it's different for everyone but i think there are some general yeah. principles that can help are you comfortable if we jump into publishing first though because yeah, yeah, let's do that i think but i think before you ever release something you've got to answer this question and the question is who owns what right and mm -hmm. so Publishing, think about it like a spectrum, okay? Uh, on If you if you have a, a piece of paper or you're able to take notes, you're not on the treadmill or in your car right now, um, draw a straight line on your piece of paper horizontally. On, on the left side, put a circle. On the right side, put a circle. And in the middle, put a dash. Okay, that is the spectrum of publishing. Publishing can live anywhere on it. And what publishing is basically is the ownership of a song. 
Okay. Um, there are churches that live on either side of the, the, the spectrum. So on the left side, we're going to say that side is where the church says we own everything about this song. We own the writer's share and the publisher's share. And I'll explain what those are in a second. So don't panic. But writer's share and publisher's share. So basically the church owns the entire song. And they're saying, hey, we we fund your salary. We fund your your insurance. We pay for all of the the, the things that go into making a song, the marketing, the, the, the writer's camps. You write it on during church time. So we're going to own everything in the song. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, and I will tell you, in being around worship music for over 15 years, I've only met two churches that live on the other end of the spectrum. And that is, hey, we just trust you. You're a psalmist. We want to honor what God does in your life. You get everything. You get the whole writer's share and the whole publisher's share. Two, two out of 15 years. T- to be honest with you, Logan, I don't think either end of the spectrum is totally fair because I don't think either end really honors both entities that are part of making a song, which is the songwriter and then the church. So in the very middle of the spectrum at that dash would be the writer keeps the writer's share, the church gets the publishing share. So what does that mean? Well, draw a circle on your piece of paper, put a line right through it vertically. A song is split into two parts, the writing share and the publishing share. Okay. So if there's two writers, the writing share is split in half. If there's three writers, the writing share is split into thirds. If there's 10 writers, it's a Beyonce song. And so um, the writer's share splits between the writers and then the publishing side splits between the publishers of each of those things. As a church, if you're going to release music, you should become a publisher. That's as simple as going to ASCAP and BMI and filling out their forms online to be a publisher. Okay, They're going to give you some information. You're going to have to fill out some, some tax information. You're now a publisher. And what that means is you're going to collect the money and then distribute it to the writers. And, and, and when publishing is the most fair, the writers retain the writer's share for what God's doing in their life and the skill and talent that they've learned how to write songs. And then the church is retaining the publishing share so that they have the ability to someday recoup that money and, and, and pour back into that ministry to create more and more songs. Okay. So once you've established where you live on that spectrum, now that you understand that the 101 version of publishing, you can plot where you live on that spectrum lie. Okay. Mm-hmm. And again, like Logan said, if, they, if you need more information about that, that is the quickest version of telling you about publishing. Yes. And we might dig into it a little bit more, Logan, but feel free to reach out to me. I'm glad to help you. So once you've done that, then you're going to go and start recording songs. Okay. Uh, recording songs. The beauty of technology is we're in a season where you can get a computer and a microphone and go in your bathroom and make music. Whereas 20 years ago, you had to go to a studio and it cost a lot of money. It's a lot more accessible now than it's ever been. For worship music, video is as important as audio because people want to experience the worship moment. And so most that's why most worship recordings are live recordings. Okay. If you're gonna bring and a producer something in your account something about like what God did in the room and kind of what makes worship yes. different than every other area of ministry is like we wanna see and and even I mean, we've all watched videos like I mean, you think about the blessing, right? It's like that video where Carrie and, and Cody and Steven are like, hey, we just wrote this song. We're going to release it. it. And they sing it at church and they're ready to record. It's like we all were a part of that when we watched that. And so that's the difference between like, you know, any pop artist release a song 
and you don't you you can't feel it in the way you know maybe there's some weird music video but it's like that's not what we're trying to accomplish in church we're trying for people to experience what god is speaking to them in the song and so obviously we believe that the holy spirit's working and he can work through the screen which is a crazy concept but he can well no doubt and i mean you know you always hear pastors talk about if paul would have had the internet what kind of an evangelist would he be well, we get the ability to draw people into our worship experiences through video. And, I, you know, Map City, I think, has done early Map City became Map City because people got to experience those worship moments. And it was just a powerful you felt like you were there, you know. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're going to bring a producer in, you know, you're going to pay anywhere from two to five thousand dollars typically per song for a producer to help you produce a quality recording. I wouldn't say churches need to start there. I think you need to start just like with songwriting. You start with your first song. With recording, you probably start with your first song. And let your team explore what they're capable of and what their their talent is. And then start to supplement that talent with producers and with other people. But you, even in the way we consume music today, Logan, we don't – very rarely do we sit down and consume 10 or 12 songs from the same artist at one time. Yeah. Right? And so – if I'm at church and I'm going to release music, the last thing I need to do is think I've got to recre- I've got to go in and record an entire worship night and release 12 songs to the four people that know we release music, right? Like we're just flushing money down the toilet at that point. Let's go in and do one song and let's do it really well and release that and then learn from it and then go in and do another song. And then maybe we do a bundle of two or three songs and then maybe we do an EP and then maybe we roll all of that together into an album at some point. The strategies has, has changed drastically for, for, for teams now because the, the, the way the music is consumed in, in our, in our space is different. Um, if you're going to market a song, typically the floor is about $3,000 per song to market a song. That'll help you get enough coverage to get visible. Right. Um, but if your church has a thousand dollars, don't let that stop you from releasing the song. Release yeah, it and maybe, put a thousand dollars to it. And maybe it's to your community, right? Versus thinking about, right. hey, we're trying to send this to the world. It's we're going to use these marketing dollars to, to you know, to your point, that church of sixty thousand people in the community. Hey, we don't need to send it to Indonesia or to whatever. We're trying to say. Hey, in our community, maybe it's a a song you wrote for Easter and hey, come hear our new song for Easter and and come in here. Or it's a Christmas song that everyone loves and maybe it's a way to you could contact a local radio station and say, hey, here's a here's a Christmas song or even just play it on on your YouTube channel and share it on social media. There's so many ways that I think you can get your songs out there that aren't, hey, we need a distribution channel through one of these big, you know, distributors and we have to have a record label. And I mean, all of a sudden I, I talk to a lot of executive pastors by the end of our phone call. I'm like, what you described you wanted to me would have cost a quarter million dollars. And now where we're at is like 10,000 or 5,000 or something to where you have an in-house guy that could give it a shot and produce. But so many people go to that place. And even for us at River Valley, again, being transparent, there have been times where we've gone too far in investing. And then maybe there's been times where we haven't gone far enough. But I can say from leadership's perspective, we've very rarely not gone far enough in terms of our investment. Now, Again, what are our goals? I think those are things you have to ask yourself too. And we've talked about really throughout this whole podcast is if your goal is to become the next fill in the blank artist, it's, it's probably the wrong goal. 
because you're coming at it from a perspective of we're, we're trying to become something that we're not, or we're trying to become super famous. And I, I bet you, I mean, even on your podcast, I'm sure you hear this from most of the people you talk to, their intent was not like, oh, I'm going to go out there and become super famous. You know, I, I know you just did one with right. like Brandon Lake and it's like, he's, he's a local church guy who said, I'm going to, I'm going to just write songs. I'm going to be, be a son of the house. And then he started working with the right people and God opens doors and now look at what's happened. And so I just think that in the same way we build our church, let's focus on, on that in our, our music. And, and yes. I just think that's, that's going to be a way better result and start small is definitely what I would recommend. And that single thing, you even taught us a lot over these past couple of years of working with us that we felt like it was all on the record, like the live record, it's got to happen. And yeah. the reality is we release a live record with like 17 songs on our deluxe album and three of them are streamed high. And like the other 15, it's like the gap is giant. You know, these ones have massive, millions and millions massive. of streams. And these ones are like, some of them are like 40,000. And you're like, how does that only have 40,000 streams when that one's got like 3 million? And what sucks is that that, that 40,000 streaming song might be amazing. It might be better than the million yeah. streaming song. But the fact is, is we buried it under, a, under volume, right? So for, from a cost perspective, go in and record 10 songs at your worship night. But then consider those 10 songs as your entire release schedule for the next 12 to 14 months, mm -hmm. right? It, it doesn't have to all come out at the same time. So if you look at how the, the two most consumed music genres right now, like the growing genres right now are hip hop and country music. The way hip hop artists and country music are releasing music, you, you'll see Morgan Wallen released a 30 song album, but he released a 30 song album after he had released 18 of those songs individually before it ever came out right so use those singles and those eps and those bundles to build towards your album having millions and millions of streams you know as opposed to here's our record and, and the thing is, is it's no one's fault it's what we learned we watched hillsong we watched elevation we watched bethel we watched we watched these these giants in the space teach us how to do it and at the time that they did that that was the only way you could do it mm-hmm but now things are so different. There, there are no more rules. We can do this however we want to do it. And, and as creative as we are in the writing and the crafting of the music, let's be, as, be equally as creative in the strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know you shared some numbers before to just kind of be a helpful benchmark. And I hope people here too, like any percentages or numbers that we share are not to try to put people in a corner. Like you can't do it. You know, you could for sure do, you could do it for, for less if you can, I'm sure you could spend more. Um, but even for us, I look at like our ages album, our youth, young adult kind of uh, band that we just launched recently. There were some songs like honest that song, I think it's our, it was our fastest song to a million streams and it's got several yep. million streams now across all the platforms. Um, but I, I mean, to produce it, it was, it was one of our cheapest songs we've ever produced. Like it was, it was in-house with our in-house in teams. Uh, the music video they recorded was like on iPhones at the state fair. Like it was, it was legit one of our lowest production, but it was a great song and great songs get out there. And so I, I just want to even encourage with examples like us. And then on the flip side of that, you look at some songs from faith, faith in our time, songs from altars that we invested way more money into. And right. again, there are those songs where you're like, we thought those were it. 
and they just didn't get out there in that way. And and again, yeah. some of that is just the reality of the industry. Others is maybe the song was meant for your church and maybe it wasn't meant for the world. Um, but I want to I want to jump back into publishing a little bit just because I want to answer these calls yep. or these questions before uh, we're done, so we don't have to jump on as many calls with people. But the that middle ground of the publishing share that you talked about being as transparent as we can. River Valley has tried to get as close as we can to that middle ground. And I know what a lot of pastors are thinking, and Stephen, you and I have talked about this. They're going, well, what do you mean the church spends all the money and we put all the you know investment forward and all this stuff? Why should the writers get paid anything until we recoup our money? The first answer to that is you're not going to recoup your money. And so <laughs> that has to be considered in this grand scheme of things, knowing you're not going to recoup your money. Now you have to say, are we going to pay our writers anything? And to me, what we felt at River Valley is we don't want to go that pendulum to your point, the other direction of we're going to pay our writers all of it. And we're going to invest a bunch of money. Cause I think actually in some ways that could be illegal in, again, there's two situations, but like if you're paying them a salary and you're investing all this money and you're paying them everything. Again, legally, there could be some challenges there. But on the other side of we're going to just take everything and not give it to the writers, I think in some ways you're going to struggle with retention of people. Hey, I, I like I created this piece of art. And if you know artists at all and you work with them all the time, it's art. It's creative. It is their yeah work. And even though they did it on the time, there has to be something different about the art that they created versus just somebody who's creating a spreadsheet or somebody who's running a system to grow grow small groups. Again, it's not that one is better than the other, but it has to be treated differently. And so those are things I think people need to consider. And then also just in in a lot of the conversation I've had is there, it, it also does incentivize people in a way and help them understand the ministry more. Because if they don't get paid anything, and again, we're talking small numbers here. None of our staff here at River Valley are could replace like their salary with their thing. But again, maybe right. some churches do, but most are, it's going to be a couple hundred bucks for some if it's a big song. And if it's a small song, there are some songs that literally pay people fractions of pennies. And so just want to be yes. as transparent as we can on that. Um, but it it helps them understand the investment you're making and the return they're getting versus if it's all behind this curtain. And I've had conversations with some of our team about this, like, oh, no, you don't get paid because you don't make anything. Well, show me, like prove it to me. Like, but if they get their royalty check and it's 14 cents, they're like, oh, I kind of believe you. I kind of believe you that that's the deal. And then lastly, and I know I've been talking for a while here, but I talked to my dad about this and I said, hey, like if somebody writes a hit song and it goes out and blows up and let's just hypothetically here makes millions of dollars which again would be insane would be like one of the best songs ever written i said are you comfortable if like a songwriter makes more money than you do as the lead pastor of this church and he's like absolutely i was like really and he said yeah of course he said if they did something that could impact the world in that great of a way i would want them to receive a reward for it and hopefully they're generous to it again i've talked to some really large churches lead pastors and i'm sure you have the same of artists who give more to their church than they actually were getting paid and it's amazing yeah. to see um but you you have to have a leader who's not intimidated by it so again if you're a lead pastor you're an executive pastor I would just encourage you, find that place on the pendulum where you guys fit 
there are things, again, it might make sense. Hey, we have to recoup. It's just in our bylaws. We got to do it. And then we can pay people. Okay. Yep. That, but, but you're going to have to be transparent in that and don't try and fake people out and say, oh, no, 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 we're going to take care of you. It's like, no, just be honest and transparent and know that it is good enough to write songs just for the Lord and just for your church. But that's the way we've yep. set it up to try and be as fair as possible. It's definitely as more the Nashville way, if we were to say that, um, and really just helps us open the door for people. And then lastly, uh, people that aren't a part of your staff, it just is, no, we do everything the same for everybody. So if they write with someone from Hillsong right. or they write with someone from Elevation, their publishing deal is the same as ours. So in most cases. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, Logan, is if that song blows up that way and that, that worship leader makes millions of dollars, guess what? When the church owns the publishing of that song, they're equally making millions of dollars. So now, yeah. if you if, if you tell your worship leader, "Hey, you're not, we're not going to give you any of your writer's share. Anything you write during work time is belongs to the church." Your worship leader might have the most amazing song that God gave them at 4:48 p.m. and they're like, "If I wait 12 minutes, I own the song. If I start writing it right now, the church owns it." Is that the kind of creative culture you want to develop? Of course not. But yeah. when they're like, hey, I wrote this song. This God gave me this song. We're going to release this song. Now, all of a sudden, we're able to do more ministry. We're able, like, all of a sudden, God gifts the church this revenue based on this song. That's that's phenomenal. That's money you would have never had. And ministry you would have maybe never gotten to do had you not permissioned and, and honored the writer as much as you honored the church. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's so good. And I know we, we kind of ended this conversation talking about the financial aspect of it, but I really want to go back before we close to the very beginning, which is if, you know, and the reason why you clicked on this video or the reason why you clicked on this podcast was, Hey, what, if my church wants to publish music, what should I do? And so we just really encourage you start from why are we doing this? How can this impact our church? How can this impact our community? Knowing that, that you may be the one in a 10,000, but again, even for us, who's maybe got further than we would have thought, uh, we do this so that we can support our church, so that we can support our ministries here, and so that we can ultimately, as I mentioned, reach the world around. And so, uh, yep. Stephen, would love it if you had any final thoughts on, on just publishing in general, things that we should be aware of, um, or really just kind of a last word as people think about publishing music for their church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's publishing is complicated. It's not hard. It's just complicated. So as you sit down, if you listen to the podcast today, and you're like, okay, I think I have a little bit better understanding, but maybe I don't know completely. I know that Logan would be happy to jump on a call with you. I would be happy to jump on a call with you. I'm sure that you guys could put my number in the, in the show notes. If not, you can find me stevenbrewster.me or theharmony.group and, and I'll help you. I'll help you take the next step. Um, trust your creatives. You're not ever, we've all had those bad experiences with creative people who are trying to manipulate the system. And the truth is most creative people are not trying to do that. They're just trying to use the unique calling makeup and design that God created them to do the best that they can. And so they probably don't understand it either, to be honest with you. <laughs> and in my experience, anyway, they don't understand it either. And so have grace with each other and then permission them to go away and find that voice that God's given for your church, because you're going to be so blessed by what God does through the art of the songwriters and the songs and the worship that 
he he will allow your team to help create if you just give them the margin and the space and the permission to do it. So good. Well, I think it's such a great place to end ending on that. Steven, it's been a joy to talk with you. It's getting dark where I am. It shows how early <laughs> things are here. You're in Nashville. I wish I was there right now, but um, appreciate this conversation. Uh, maybe we'll do it again. Again, feel free to reach out. Check out his brand new podcast as well, the MXU Worship Podcast, and uh, hope to see you again soon, my friend. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much.